Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30, Sunday morning, and, of course, it's time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, second Sunday in the month, and, of course, that means Graham Sargent from Silky's Rose Farm in Clombernane. Morning, Graham. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, everybody out there in bed and, and, and keeping away from all this rain. Hey, maybe we'd have it 17 mil up at our place, and that's really good. Fantastic. What's happening in Melbourne? How many mils has there been in Melbourne? No idea. Oh. All I know is we're finally getting some decent rain, yeah, and it's good. soaking in, which is yeah, great. Yeah. Keep praying, everybody. Yep. We certainly need it. But I tell you what, we're in for a bit of a wild and woolly day today, I think. Yep. Get out in the wild and woolly <laughs> weather. Watch the lightning strike, mate. <laughs> Just don't stand under a tree <laughs> while you're doing it. <laughs> Yeah. But Graham, you've got uh, you've got a special weekend on this weekend. How's the rain affecting you with that? It's no, it's no. art and roses. Yeah, no, no, all, all the artworks inside. Oh, good! Inside I'm glad the, it is. The main, the Memorial Hall in good old Kilmore, and the Main Street in Kilmore, right? And the Rotarians are there with running around the place with bells on, feeding everybody. Yes. Oh, they're amazing these these people, the Rotarians, and um, Diana's organising trips, and we've had um, oh three bus buses through. Last yesterday, mm-hmm. and another couple to come in today. Okay, yeah. So it's all happening. It's all happening. Yep. So is it too late for people to join in and no. wander up to Kilmore? No, you could come up to Kilmore, and you could find the um, in the main hall. They've got the um, art show, and th- some of the arts even worth looking at. Oh, that's a terrible thing to say there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but there's some re- very interesting um, studies there. Some great studies of animals. Okay. Which is really, you know, really good. You've got real uh, character. Even cats. Cats. You I know, gather like, cats aren't your favourite animal. Oh, they just worry me when they, people let them out. Come on. Yes. Don't let them out. Especially at night time. No. Yes. No, no. They're so destructive and so good at what they do. Mm. They're devils. They get... Get I, I, we get them in the trees at our place, you know. They get even get a magpie. Now magpies are pretty wily critters, and you find the carcass of the bo- uh, the magpie at the bottom of the tree, and they've oh, got really? them. Yeah, oh. they just pull their guts out. Oh dear, they're rotten things. No, I, I don't mind cats, but but honestly, I, I actually love cats. But you've got to control them. It's up to us humans to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. We've also got to welcome uh, Virginia Haywood. Good morning, Virginia. Good morning. And I must say I'm also absolutely thrilled to see some rain. One of my tanks, the one that I water the garden with, completely empty. Right. So the rain is so welcome. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, if we can get a decent fall again today, the garden will be set up for the next week beautifully. Yes. Uh, well, I think we'll be set up, really. Mm. It'd be We'd be unlucky. Although they are saying that we're going to start having... Dry winters and wet summers, but it's hard to imagine Melbourne not being wet over winter. It certainly is. My birthday is in May, and my recollection of my birthday right through my childhood was it was raining. (laughs) (laughs) It always seemed to rain. Yeah, never mind. (laughs) We also have to say a very good morning to Sue Stevens, and Sue is head propagator at uh, Bushland Flora Nursery. Morning, Sue. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, um, viewers. <coughs> Pardon me, I'm very glad of the rain too. I was just saying to Virginia, it's almost a waste of time if you actually do put any water on the garden at the moment. Oh, it is. It's like concrete. Yes. Yeah, but it's amazing like um, if the plants are suffering, just to, even if we've had like five mils of rain, you can see the difference versus putting 
you know, the hose onto the garden really Absolutely. perks it up. Mm. Oh, and it's settled all that dust down, which is fantastic. Mm. Yes. Give yeah. the leaves a good wash and, yeah, it really is great. Yes, and because I live on a dirt road with a winery on it, dust is a real issue for me. Yes, well, mm. I'm on a dirt road too and... Um, I guess today it's going to turn from dust to mud. <laughs> We're no. never happy, are we? No. Yeah. Oh, well, I've learned to live with a very dirty car. Okay, I'm going to get straight to some community announcements first. Um, two gardens, uh, I'll quickly mention, open uh, again today. They've been open this weekend for Open Gardens Victoria. One is the Cottage Garden, which is at 2 Lily Street in Glen Waverley. The other one is Elion which is uh, at 59 Ferguson Street in Upway. And I should mention for all our listeners, gardens that are listed on the website, uh, that's the Open Gardens Victoria website, for next weekend have both been withdrawn, and that's due to Easter. So um, so uh, there won't be any gardens open next weekend, unfortunately, for the Easter weekend, but then the following week there will be more gardens opening up. So... Virginia, you went to these two gardens yesterday. Sue and I both went. We went to three, in fact. We went to the open garden, um, which was the Elion one, and one of the gardens opposite them has also opened. Oh, okay. And they're both on a hill, so they're both incredibly steep gardens. And the one that's listed as open... Has, she has a beautiful garden. It is so full of salvias. She has got so many plants in there. And it's there's the tiniest little bit of grass in this very big garden. She's got fruit trees. It was just lovely, wasn't it, sir? It was, and it was actually interesting because um, as I was driving up through Upway, because there were a few of us went in the car, I said to my friend, oh, this is where I came to the first open garden I've ever been to that belonged to Ali Ruse, who at that time was treasurer of the... Salvia study group would have been about 17 years ago and we pull up and it's her house on oh. the open garden again and it's all been changed so it was really interesting to see what she's actually done with it so there's actually a lot of um, paving and um, do you call it mosaic yes and what she's done this time is incorporate a lot of Australian natives also into the garden a lot of quirky features she has like a um, a bird cage that has your terracotta birds stuck on the little things and a beautiful spider web made out of metal. She's used, made up a lot of uh, quirky features in there, which okay. looks really good. And did she keep her cats in there? <laughs> <laughs> actually, I think she might have had a concrete cat in the garden. <laughs> beautiful salvias, actually two that we saw yesterday. Um, there was a beautiful dark purple one called Harmony. Yes, Harmony. It was a stunner. Jen and I thought it was actually a new one, but apparently it's been around for a long time. And Melissa Dora, was it? Yes, which was... Oh, my goodness. 15 foot high. Beautiful. Just beautiful. Right. It was real credit to her. Fantastic. And what was so interesting, which is what I always try and do, is that there is absolutely no distinction between native and exotic plants. She's got the appropriate plant, whether it's native or exotic, all just mixed up together. Okay. And I just think it's such a sensible way of planting, and I love that. Because I, I don't get this sort of... Art, the, no. the plants don't care. No, you're right. <laughs> and a lot of foliage plants, like she's used um, Australian natives and exotics together to get the contrast of a lot of silver sort of 
growth and mm. things in there. Mm. Yeah, and, and foliage is really important in the it garden. Is. We all tend to think in, in terms of flowers, flowers, mm. yeah. but foliage is is that continuing thing that provides that beautiful background. And the you other, need you yeah. need the structure. Yeah. The other thing mm. that was absolutely beautiful, and I mean, we do this plant at work, and I'd never seen it was the hakey and nodosa. Oh yes, that was wonderful feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and only had them at about one and a half metres tall, and it just looked absolutely fantastic. Mm. So it was a real eye-opener for me, working with Australian natives, yes. to see what you can do. I've used them in mine, but to a different extent, yeah. And, of course, the birds, you know, I mean, the, the salvias in my garden and the penstemons, the birds absolutely adore them. The birds aren't snobby either. Mm. Mm. So, and I just love the mix. I love that mix of Lots and lots of Australian natives mixed with the exotics. And she had so many salvias. And as we all know, I'm a little bit of a salvia tragic. So it was beautiful. Did you get Um, any harmony salvia? No. No. Did you mix some cuttings or something? Mm. And we actually saw the most beautiful kufia. Virginia and I have been trying to find it. That's called, was it Sunrise? That got put out by Bunnings a couple of years ago. No, quite a few years ago, I think. Pink, lemon and pale orange together and you had it planted with uh, grevillea lanigera so you had the flowers that were Descri- very similar explain which grevillea oh um grevillea lanigera um no. mount tam mount tam yeah. yeah together and they just looked fabulous together and it was one of those classics because they're both in flower and it was the color the colors just worked perfectly mm. Mm. it was stunning and i've never seen that coo- and both sue and i love kufias we've got a lot of kufias in our garden they're a clever plant and they're easy. A lot of them we actually got from Craig up at Gentiana. Gentiana. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where do they come from? Mexico, they call them the cigar plants sometimes. Ah, yes. Yep. You know they yep, yep. Yes. Mm. Mm. Uh, they're, and, they're, and they're nearly all – they're either – there's a series of pink ones and there's a series of orange and red mm. ones. And, and they're very small flower. Yes. They're like a little tiny cigar. But because they're so multiple on the plant, they're, they're quite – Effective. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people might know them too as tiny mice. As actually, it's a red and. Um, That's one that Bunnings have got, isn't it? Tiny mice. Yeah, yes. PGA, I think, do it. I don't know. Okay. What they call it the bat kufi. And how long do the kufis flower for? Nearly all year. Eight and yeah, yeah, They, they yes. give um, kangaroo paws a bit of a run for their money. Absolutely. They're, they're similar in, in sort of form. I'm well, talking I've, to I've listeners. Planted you know? them, I've planted it together. I've planted yeah. a kangaroo paw with the kufia. Yeah, yeah, mm. great. Okay. Mm. You mean we've got competition for roses? <laughs> they actually look really beautiful yeah, with and, roses. Uh, you're yeah. just lucky that Stephen's not usually here anymore when you're on. <laughs> <laughs> and we're looking at, to the listeners, we're looking at one of the goofiest here. Because you remember that goofier, you know, remember goofier, goofy, that, you yes. know, Walt Disney. So remember goofiest. Mm. And um, it, this one's a gorgeous orange flower. And uh, it, it's you can just see the, the uh, long beaked. Um, Yes. Uh, you know, honey eaters and stuff like that mm. getting into them, yeah. Eh? Yeah, mm. fantastic. Okay, before we get on to more plants, I must get back to a few announcements. Um, Friends of Burnley Gardens coming up have got their next illustrated talk. This is entitled Weeds, Plants and People. It's being presented by Dr John Dwyer. Now, uh, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's tracing um, the fascinating history of many common plants that we now treat as weeds, from thistles and thorns that appear in the Bible to the seeds eaten by Stone Age people and the grasses and flowers brought to Australia by European settlers. So um, it's a story of the relationship between people and weeds um, 
and uh, this is going to be told in a very lively and engaging way. Uh, so anyone interested at all in gardening, agriculture, the natural environment, medicinal herbs or cooking will glean a lot from uh, John Dwyer's account of some of these ancient plants. Now, uh, the details, it's happening next Tuesday, the 11th of April. It's in room 10 down at... Uh, uh, Burnley Gardens, uh, 7 o'clock for drinks and nibbles, 7.30 for the talk. Cost is $5 for members of the Friends Group, $15 for non-members and, of course, parking available in the boulevard there. Can I say that he is he, he was a barrister who then went off and did his PhD on, in weeds at Burnley. It's, he, he is a very interesting person. That will be an excellent evening. People Fantastic. should go. Fantastic. Excellent. Okay. Uh, now, next weekend, if people are interested in bonsai, there are two um, bonsai shows taking place. Uh, the first one is down Mornington Peninsula Bonsai Society. This is their 38th annual Easter bonsai show. The venue is Balcom Grammar, which is at 389 Nepean Highway in Mount Martha. Times are Saturday 9 till 5, Sunday 10 till 4. Cost is adults $5, pensioners $3, children with an adult free. Now, the other one is happening uh, up at uh, Bendigo. This is the Bendigo Bonsai Club, again happening over the uh, uh, Easter weekend. And the venue for this one is the Uniting Church Hall, Forest Street in Bendigo. Times both Saturday and Sunday at 10 through till 5, but this also has a Monday opening of 10 till 4. Again, um, cost is $3 adults, children are free. Now, um, also uh, one I should mention, coming up 22nd and 23rd, the 11th annual Tesla Gardening and Plant Expo. Now, Virginia, you often go up to this one, don't you? Well, it's very close to my place, so I always go. Right. And I do think it is one of the really good fun ones. You know, there's every, everyone's there, All so many of those stalls that, you, you get the unusual plants, like one of the plants I've brought in today, a, a shrubby clematis. It's the sort of thing you'll only find at those places. I never see them in the nurseries or Bunnings, God forbid. Yes. And um, Stephen, of course, organises a whole lot of speakers there. He introduces them. He, he oversees the whole thing, and it's just it's good fun. Excellent. And you can yeah. speak to people uh, with, with, with specialist knowledge. You'll be um, there, won't you? Yeah. yeah, we'll be there with with roses. But um, and, and it's a good place to sit down and have have um, uh, lunch. Beautiful garden, delightful. It is a lovely yeah. garden. It's and a they, lovely and position. And they actually play great music with it as well. Mm, you know, which mm. is which is part of that real atmosphere. No, I think Tesla's have. Be- I think Tesla's have become more and more interesting. I quite, mm. I, I like going there, and I mm. because my garden's so big, I'm mean in what I buy. I always buy things on special, and so I always mm. go and see what they've got on special because yep. I need three or four or five of whatever. Mm. Mm. But I love the I love the variety of stalls there. You know, there's mm. I mean Devon Tube Stock. Now they're all, they have really mm-hmm. interesting. Things you, they're a wholesaler. You don't see them unless you go there. Mm. Mm. And there'll be and quite the a few bulb, will be there bulb growers 
Bow yeah, bow growers and antique perennials, Big another range. wholesaler. Society group mm-hmm. too. Mm. Yeah. I was going to say too, Clive Larkman always does a great uh, mm. stand there with Larkman's and mm-hmm. cooking demonstrations with yeah. his chilies and mm. uh, making drinks with different herbs. It's mm. it's actually really good when I go sit down and listen to one of the talks or whatever they do there. Mm, yeah. And um, there's a very good little wholesaler near me run by two English women, oh, and yes. it's the only place you ever get to buy their things because yeah. they're wholesalers. Yes, mm. right. Yarrow Range is their nursery is called, and it's they do really good things. Things I love in my garden, you mm. know. Excellent. And well, and and also cactus will be there. Yes, plenty of bulbs. Mm. So yeah. if you want to, you're into cactus. No, get in, get and you're, you're there, not. Are you there this year, Graham? Yeah, we're, yeah. yeah we're year. Oh, yeah. last when I went last year, I couldn't make. I could have had every single one of those roses, and you didn't have any of them left. <laughs> <laughs> they were beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The uh, the official address is three five seven Monbolk Road in Sylvan. Times are nine a.m. to four p.m. on both days. Cost uh, adults eighteen dollars. A concession of fifteen dollars. But there's uh, more concessions for group bookings. As we've mentioned, um, a huge range of stall holders, free talks, um, very diverse uh, gardening event. There's plenty of free parking. Uh, if you'd like more information, you can phone 9737 And the parking is really good. If you if you do buy plants, it's you, you always always a hassle with people. Yes. They think I oh, buy the plants. Oh, I got to get this to me car. Mm. You, the car park at Tesla's is just next to. It's right there. The, whole thing, mm. yeah. the it's other really thing good. that's great too with their passes is actually for a weekend pass. If you mm. go on Saturday and you say, "Well, I buy that plant," and then you decide, "No, I'm not." You can go back the next day. It doesn't cost you anything to get back in again. Because you because <laughs> <laughs> you, you wish you had. <laughs> I quite often will do that. <laughs> now you've got one there, Virginia. This is one that's open today. Oh, okay. It was another one Sue and I visited yesterday, and it's really it's an arboretum. It is it's it's in emerald, and it's it's in this really sort of big valley. So the top of it, you're just looking down over, and it's an arboretum with the most amazing trees, trees that you don't often see. A huge tulip tree, massive Mexican pine, you know, really beautiful trees. Now, where's the address? It's 80 Beaconsfield Emerald Road, Emerald. And it's open today from 10 till 4.30. And it's a re- and they had lots of things for sale, lots yeah. of plants for sale because they pro- she works in a nursery and he used to be one of the pe- – he did all the um, proteas at Fernie Creek for many years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they're real, you know, they're real growers and it's just lovely. Um, that they're well worthwhile going to that to have a look at the plants they sell and – we actually came across that because they have a store once a month at Callista Market is open on the first Saturday of each um, month. If it, people haven't been, it's a great little market to go to and these people have a little stall there and because he's a gardener, he's got access to some really unusual rare plants. You always pick up plants for a bargain down there and she specialises in succulents Okay, so you can get a great uh, selection of succulents at really reasonable prices. And, and it's they've a, got a lot for sale there. And it's a 10-acre garden. Yes. You know, nice. It's a good walk. Yes. Yeah. And it's steep. Okay. So, and a nice coffee van. Oh. So you can have a good <laughs> cup of coffee and a nice muffin. And they also are doing um, some theatre there to, uh, today as well. Yeah. So it's well worth it. So that is, let me give you the address again, 80 Beaconsfield Emerald Road, Emerald. 
and it's called Tilopia Gardens. And the uh, Times? Have you got the Times the, there? Yeah, 10 till 4.30. Okay. And I would call it an arboretum rather than a garden. I mean, yep. it's big and it's beautiful and there's some absolutely fabulous trees. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. It's actually part of the Parve Festival they've had going for a week in Emerald. Oh, right. Yeah, so they've had, like, all different things to go to up there. Mm. Right. Excellent. Okay, well, it's high time we invited our listeners to join us. Uh, we'll open up our talkback lines. If you'd like to ask a gardening question this morning, we'd love to hear from you. That number is 94190155. 9 We do have uh, Graham Sargent from Silky's Rose Farm in Clonbernane. So if you want to ask a question about roses... We have Virginia Haywood, who's uh, a guide at the Royal Botanic Gardens, Melbourne, and Sue Stevens, who's head propagator uh, out at Bushland Flora Nursery. So uh, if you want to ask about Australian natives as well, feel free to give us a call at number 94190155. Graham, you're also going to be doing some walks and talks in yes. the garden soon. Yeah, works, walks and talks today. Today? Um, at, at, okay. At uh, our our nursery in uh, Clombanane and of course we're on on Spur Road in Clombanane just off the, at the edge of the Hume Freeway okay so as Is soon it, as you you do the Clombanane turn off yes. you're signposted aren't we've you we've got signposts yeah yep. Silgi's Rose Farm yep fantastic yeah. all right but uh you also I think uh have mentioned that it's the time to order bare rooted roses so yes. if listeners out there are after mm. Some bare rooted roses. Mm. Now's the time to ring up the nursery and, and get some. And we've got a special sale on t- today oh. and probably up till Easter. Okay. Um, buy one rose and you'll get one free. Oh, wow, that now that's good. incentive oh, to visit. Bargains galore. <laughs> what are the prices <laughs> for your bare rooted roses? Bare rooted roses, yes. oh, yeah. they work out around about $21. Right. But the, the potted roses are thirty-two fifty. Okay. So we've got a good range of climbers. We've got a Plenty of good stock, but, we, you know, we've got to make room for all the bare root stuff that comes of in course, in May. Of yeah. course you do. So uh, that's one of the reasons why we're having a sale. It's not rubbishy stuff, folks. We put, we're selling good stuff. So Excellent. all the sort of the new roses that you had yeah. last year, you've got all yeah, bare new varieties. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah there's, there's plenty of new varieties. Two years ago, there was 62 new released roses released in Australia. Wow. And we're getting some roses now that are really black spot resistant. Mm. And um, I'm... I'm I'm um, accumulating a collection of those. Okay. So that's going to be an interesting project. It is. And using them to breed. I've been doing some breeding, um, propagating or or cross-pollinating and using uh, the new white rose Pope John Paul II that took about 10 years to get onto the market because of all the red tape at the Vatican. Oh. And and it's got an amazing perfume. It'll blow you away. And it's a gorgeous, crisp white. Okay. Rose. Fantastic. Yes. Excellent. Mm. There was a program on the telly recently on Foxtel. An English program was just mm. saying how many roses, old roses, are just disappearing mm. because there's so many new ones coming mm-hmm. on. It's mm. impossible to keep track of them all and quite a lot of the old roses that have mm. sort of got historic importance mm. are just disappearing. Well, the, the series of, of Eyes for You, and there's about yeah. know, six in them now, mm. Blue for You, that's, that's part of that series, mm. and they're basically single roses, right? And often the single roses are just a heck of a, heck of a healthier 
than hybrid teas. I hate to say that because I love hybrid teas too. Um, and uh, John Neal from up in the Danny Nongst, Australian Roses, has had them in trials in Adelaide, and they've been winning gold medals. And it takes them doing to win gold medals. Oh, yes. And I love it, that Health for You series. Yeah. Mm. And they're, they're single roses, and they all most of them started with the Rosa Persica from Persia. Oh, yes. Um, and, and that rose itself grows right from um, as far down as Iran and Iraq, all the way up through to Siberia in, in Russia. Goodness. So. To, to grow in that range, it's got to be damn tough. And that's where the yellow came, isn't it? Yep. They, yep. That's where yellow got introduced yes. to roses, yes. yes. Yeah. It's in the Botanic Gardens, mm-hmm. the Persicaria, because yeah. mm. mm. they grow some of the species ones for, you know, mm. interest. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. Graham, you've got a rose sitting in front of you there. Tell listeners about it. Um, um, Pam, this is a rose called the Tintern Rose, and I've probably spoken about it before. But the tin turn rose is is like a, a ground cover. Uh, it's orange, and orange is very popular in in gardens in the rose world. And it's also got a perfume. And um, this is one that didn't get released with the flower carpet series. And um, tin turn college um, have um, a, a label that they have, and they get some royalties on that label as a, as a fundraiser for the tin turn college. Okay. So um, um, I'm. It's always grown very well in the nursery, grows well in the pot, and um, it can spread as well well as get up to around about um, three-quarters of a metre in height if you let it go. It's, but, a, it's a lovely rose. My friend Fiona taught at Tintern, and she had one of them in her garden, mm-hmm. and it was just – it was really mm. – it didn't seem to get diseased. It was really quite yeah. lovely most of the time. Well, in the, in the flower carpet series, of course, there's seven roses – and um, there's not an orange amongst them, and this is the one that didn't get in, in that in that group. Is there any reason why? Um, well, the the flower carpet series were bred by Noack, a German breeder. Yes, and he's actually in a nursery just down the road from Cordy's Cordy's uh, um, nursery, um, and um, Noack is very has been very ruthless, and um, he in his growing area. Um, and I have contact with Cordy's main breeder, Thomas Prohl. Of all things, he's got relations in Kilmore. Okay, there you go. <laughs> and, and he constantly says to Thomas, Thomas, if they don't perform, you make them perform. Put the water on of the night time, and if they get fungus or black spot, Thomas, you chuck them in the rubbish tin. <laughs> and that's been his policy for okay. the last 30 years. Okay. And, of course, the, the, the interesting thing is that at the, at the Flower and Garden Show this year, Anthony Tesla announced that he sold 90 million yes. flower carpet roses. Yes, And that's it, the collection of seven. And, he, he, of course, Anthony's very smart with marketing. Anthony will tell you that he's not a plantsman or a nurseryman. He said, I'm a marketer. Mm. And, um, um, and because of that... Um, so who hmm. bred them? This gentleman by the no. name of Noack. Oh, right. right. Now, you can imagine what sort of royalties he got out of 90 million roses. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but, you know, when I say that, it sounds terribly technical, but it's not. To do some cross-pollinating, it's simply, it's easy. You know, just just get the pollen and, and stick it on, 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 the, on the rose that you want to breed with. And um, you can put a bit of spit on your finger, the pollen will cling to it and just pop it on the top of the, the rose and pops Pop a label on it. Okay. It's as simple as that. Well, there that. you go. Yeah. So, so, Graham, with this rose here, would you um, treat it like a flower carpet and, in, like, in its pruning, just yeah. literally shear it across the yeah. top? Just hack it off. Just hack it off. Yeah. Yep. In the old language, about six inches from the ground, just hop into it. 
Easy yeah. care. Yep. Gosh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. And it's a repeat flower. Yeah, repeat. And I, it's, I it's got a perfume. I wouldn't actually call it orange. No? No. I would say, I, I don't know what I'd call it. It's almost salmon. Mm-hmm. It is almost salmon, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And it's got a very vivid yellow centre. Mm-hmm. It's a very gentle <coughs> salmon, though. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's, it's a pretty rose. Pink, mm. pinky. That's pink, a pink, in the, pink, pink in the orange. Yeah, yeah pink yeah. in the orange. That's exactly mm. it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and we've been we've been selling it now for around about twenty five years, and we get feedback from people, and people are really wrapped with it. It's the sort of rose you can cut on the stem and put it in a vase. If you put, you know, eight eight in a vase in in the, in the house, you'll smell it, you know, around that area where you've, where you've put it. Mm. And perfume, of course, is very big with, with roses with people now. And, it would look uh, lovely yeah. planted on mass. Yeah, yeah, mass Really planted. stunning. Yeah, mm. fantastic. Yeah. Mm. A good rose. So okay. are they all uh, disease resistant to black spot, are they, the flower carpet roses? Oh, or? yes, they yes. Are. Yeah. Okay. The flower carpet have won 25 world awards in the rose trials, and the rose trials now don't muck around. They don't use any chemicals. At all, they're not allowed to use any chemicals. So we're getting into that, that healthy um, time of healthy roses um, that that don't need spraying. Yeah. And is, it, uh, is there any truth to? I was watching a gardening program a couple of years ago that the older heirloom roses are more disease resistant to black spot than the new sort of varieties. Or? I, I I really question that. I must say, um, if you want a plant to get black spot, uh, stress it. You know, like stress, just don't water the thing. And, um, and of course, water's important for roses. What, what we've got to think of is that if a plant develops a flower, it needs moisture, needs water, and if that can be, say, you know, a good watering once a week, that will reduce the stress. And when the energy that's put into that flower has ha- does have to happen, say, over nine months of the year, the plant does need some feed as well. Mm. And I say to, to, especially the ladies in the nursery, they're, if they're going to produce seed, they're producing babies. And if you want to produce good babies in this world, you've got to um, feed yourself properly. Yes. You know, yeah. and I'm not a female, but that's a, you know, that's a, that's a re- I think that's a reasonable observation. Yeah, yeah. Mm. exactly. And um, we tend to forget about the seeds um, because most of us just trim them off because we want flowers back on there again in about 45, 50 days. Mm. And I feed um, rose hips, the seeds, to my chooks. And they hop into them and they love them. Mm. And I've got some young, uh, young pullets at the moment, about um, 35 of them. And I just throw the rose seeds on the concrete and stand on them and then chuck them in the chook pen. And they get, mate, they get stuck into them. Okay. And they know. They know what's good for them. You know, they're very switched on. But rose hips are house. very good for people too. Mm. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, rose hip oil for cosmetics and that sort of thing. It's, it's proven that it really works with especially the skin. Yep, mm. excellent. Okay, well, if you'd like to uh, phone in and ask Graham a, a rose question, do feel free to jump on the phone lines. We're running through until 9.15, our usual time slot. That number to join us is 94190155. That's 94190155. Virginia, you've brought in also some very interesting plants this morning. Yes, well, I brought in two salvias because I couldn't help myself. And one of them is called, I got it, uh, Mythicus, and it's called Black and Bloom. And a lot of the salvia people out there know Black and Blue. And this is. The same, um, same sort of salvia, but they salvias are very uh, promiscuous, so you can breed them, breed new ones easily. This is a new one, 
So it is the black and blue called Black and Bloom, and it's bred to be much tighter, a bigger, brighter flower, a bigger leaf, and a much more compact salvia. It's still big, mm. but it's it's really very lovely. And there's another new series that I've brought in, which is the So Cool series, and there's about four of them in all in different shades of... These are all blues, and blue is quite unusual in the nursery. I mean, one, they're always really purple, not blue, except, oh, there's a, a handful of blue plants and that's all. But these are all lovely different shades and, mm. I, and I think they're really interesting. The salvias, some of them are getting very good in their breeding. So I'm going to try Black and Bloom and just see how it goes. It looks to me like it's going to be a, a really interesting plant in the garden and they say it's very hardy. So that'll be... Okay. So I'm going to experiment. So this time next year... I'll either say it's fabulous or I'll think, mm, a bit of a disappointment. Yep, yep. These um, so-cool um, salvias that Virginia's brought in too actually flower for nine months of the year, which are fantastic. Yeah. You can't ask for much no, more than that in the garden, no. can you? And the contrast, they've got one, um, the so-cool pur- purple, so-cool violet uh, and lilac. lilac. And the yes. lilac, the contrast of that is absolutely spectacular, dark purple and the light together. Mm. And, and I've planted them in the garden about six months ago. Okay. And they have just been so good over the summer. Right. Yeah. Yes. And mm-hmm. like all salvias, they're better for being pruned. Um, so I'm going through at the moment hacking. We couldn't say what I'm doing at home is pruning. It's very I'm hard to, to hop into a salvia and hack it when it's in full flower, though. <laughs> yes, I know, I know, but you just have to do it. Yes. yes. Yeah. And last year when I went to Europe, I have Graham comes in one morning a week as my gardener and I, I couldn't live without Graham. And while I was away, because I, you know, I get out there with the secateurs and he gets out there and goes, with the bang! <laughs> yes. <laughs> And so while I was away, he went right down my driveway and hacked. And when I got back, well, no, it was still looking hacked when I got back, but in the spring, they were so appreciative of being pruned so hard. Right. And I was thinking that yesterday in that salvia garden we went to in Upway. You know, she has been cutting them either continually mm. or, or be- because she was going to have an open garden, but... You know, they've, they've all very pruned. And about how far from the ground do you prune them? You? Well, there's so many different ones. I don't know how many salvias. I've got more than 50 salvias in my garden. Oh. So, it, but six, six, six inches from the ground, you prune them off? Some, they're yes. They're different. They're different. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. But one, last year I pruned one, which is a South African one, and I just got cross with it because it was blocking my view. And I was sitting inside having a glass of wine with my friend Lisa and we said, look, we can't see the view because of that salvia. So we went out with with um, a saw and big loppers and just cut it to the ground because we were cross with it. And then we went back inside to our wine. And I just left it there and I cleaned it up the next day and I thought, oh, I must come back and dig that out. It has come back absolutely beautifully. It's well, just go. above knee height. It's no longer blocking the view. Mm. So, you know, but then there are others that if you prune, some, particularly some of the big ones with very hollow stems, that if you prune them too hard, mm-hmm. they get cross with you and throw so up their that's toes. That's a, th- a reasonable guide for listeners if yeah. they're looking at salvias. If, if they've got that bigger wood, don't, don't get stuck into them. And not in winter. No. I don't prune them in winter because you get water in the stems. Oh, yeah, right. So okay. I tend to wait. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. done pruning at all different times of the year and I find I tend to prune... My salvia, because it's silly to prune them in winter. The plant's dormant. It's not going to do anything. Mm. I found you actually do mm. more damage by pruning them because you're opening up everything to water. Mm-hmm. Yes. As soon as the weather starts 
to get a bit warmer and you see a little bit of growth, while it's in growth mode, that's when I tend to prune them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you can keep going. They... See, that's one of the reasons I'm pruning now because mm. I've got too much to get it all done in spring. Mm. If yeah. I leave it till spring, I just won't get mm. it done. But yeah. I will prune to where there's growth. And so sometimes I'll prune twice. I'll prune down to where I can see growth. Yes. And then with all the top gone, you get growth further down the stem, so I'll prune it again. Yes, that's really Which is good. an excellent it way a, of, of really working your growth down. Down, Yeah, yes. rid of those woody stems. Mm. Yeah, if you take like a third off to start with, and yep. then, as mm. you said, you push it down. But see, I can prune. I'm up on the hill, mm. whereas Sue is lower than me. I get a lot of water collection and moisture on my property. Yes, yes of I course. can end up with fungal issues. So it's very quite easily. interesting the difference. I mean, we're what, we're only a couple of miles apart, there's, and yet it's very different what we can do. There's about six weeks difference in the flowering between mm. Virginia's garden and mine with mm-hmm. our roses. Mm. Yeah, mm. Mm. excellent. Okay, we'll go to our first caller. We have uh, Karen, who's in St Kilda. Good morning, Karen. Karen, are you there? No. We don't seem to have Karen. Uh, Karen, if you'd like to phone back, we'll um, we'll try and pop you on straight away. That number, incidentally, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We're running through until 9.15, our usual time slot. If you'd like to join us and ask a gardening question this morning, the number is 94190155. That's 94190155. Okay, so back to your plants, Virginia. Well, I've ooh, I've just dropped my um, label. Sorry about that, everyone. Dead air time, terrible thing. This one is a Clematis heraclifolia. I bought this at um, Mifcus. And, of course, it's that thing where Teslas will be the ne- next place where you find something that is unusual. This is a shrubby Clematis. It's not a climber. I used to grow it many years ago in England and I was thrilled to see it. And I, th- when you, you, I think you can get it at Burnley when they have their flower sales. Um, and I'm sure it'll turn up again at Tessalars. And I just like it because I love clematis. I've got clematis all through my garden. I've got the great big Armandii, which is too big and falls off the wall because it's so huge and it's evergreen. Then I've got the little... Autumn ones where you've got little yellow flowers coming through my trees. I've just got, and then I've got the big, blousy, loud ones. I've got yep. clematis everywhere. People think clematis are very hard, but there's two rules, I think, with planting a clematis. Plant it deeper than you buy it. So you plant the stem into the ground and keep it in a cool root run. So put it in the shade so it can grow to the sun or put rocks around it. Just keep the roots cool and then they'll just, they're fine. Mm. So I, I'll lose them in the first year sometimes. But, and, but then, and I also find you can get quite cheap ones at Tessalars, which I really like because I'm not prepared to pay $35 for a plant mm. most of the time. Yep. And you'll get them for 15 at um, Tessalars. But this one is a little, it is, it is actually almost a sub-shrub and it just comes up, it, it dies down over the winter, then it comes back up, it has a lovely blue flower. There's a, little, there's a handful of them that you can get, but they're very hard to find in Australia. So I was very pleased when I found this. I thought, mm. oh. I've actually got that in my garden, and I don't know if I've got it in the wrong spot because I have trouble with it flowering. Um, I've got that in part shade. 
Mm, I think it well, wants... It needs more sun than that. It wants sun, yes. Yeah. Like all clematis wants sun for the flower, but okay. the cool root runs. So that's that's the challenge. Okay. Well, it's not, a, it's not it. a massive sort of plant, though. It, no. It, you know, it's not a big, loud plant. It's yes. a subtle... No, I think it was only... Um, yes, n- it... knee-high. Yes. Knee-high. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, Graham, you also sell some... Uh, yeah, we have clematis. Yes, to climb up through the roses, yes, of course. Yes, yes, we do. And and it's one of Diana's weaknesses. She loves the, 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 the bigger flowered ones. Mm. And people can take those flowers and put them in a vase in, inside and you just float them in water. Yes, and they really in look a bowl. Fantastic. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, yes, we find that people de- definitely need to be encouraged to keep the roots cool, that's for sure. Mm. And... I, I believe liquid seaweed works on them really well. Just put it in a watering can and just put it all over the leaves, all down the leaves. And and that has reduced us losing them in perhaps the first year. That's what we found. Okay. And yes, we, and I you think know, we're working in a clay soil. It's a pretty rotten sort of soil we've got. Except yeah. it's got food in it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's got nutrition. And the, and, the, and the liquid seaweed in the clay soil releases the, the nutrition out of the clay mm. and that's that's important you know so much of our nutrition in our soils in australia is locked up yes really that's that's one of our biggest challenges in the and farming you know world. with your clematis i mean they're, they're very varied like there's four mm. pruning groups for clematis mm. Mm. You, you know that you know it is a big group of of plants mm. and and of course again they've been hybridized enormously i mean mm. all over britain you just see them and they're great big mm. flowers and mm. some fact, people... sometimes they're too much they're yes, over they the top nelly <laughs> mosa yes loud it's yes. just the only way you could describe it is loud but since one of the differences between me growing in britain and me growing now i'm australian again is that i like louder things in australia what do you mean you're australian again <laughs> You've always been an Aussie. No, yes, but I was a Londoner as well for okay. a while. We we'll forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that soft light in Britain, because the light's uh, so dull, you yeah. just you a, a really loud. You don't see a lot of you know rampant orange in Britain, for example. And I think that's because they they're louder. Whereas here, and you have white gardens. Clem, uh, the mm. white garden at Sissinghurst is famous, you know, because it stands out in the gloom. In the gloom, yes. Whereas a white garden here it disappears in summer. It looks lovely, white in a shady Shade area. Yes, it's lovely, that's... but a whole white garden just disappears. Mm. It's not exciting in Australia because the light is so hard. Mm. Do you uh, do the paniculata clematis? No. 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 I love that. It's a New Zealand one. Mm-hmm. It's only a flat white. Mm. Um, it's absolutely beautiful. And, of course, there are native clematis. Mm. Yes, well, absolutely. That one's actually native to New Zealand. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. So they're, they're, I think they're a really interesting plant and people should just power on with them because they will grow if you keep their root run cool. When yeah. do they come up, become available in catalogues? Uh Early spring, usually. Early spring, mm. okay. Yeah. Yeah, so Tesla's, they have them in their catalogue. Yes. See, Virginia yeah. and I picked out some really nice ones last night and didn't realise the catalogue was for spring last year. <laughs> 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 and I'd only just opened it. <laughs> oh, well. It's a bit disappointing. <laughs> okay, but, next plant. And then these, I've got two new obsessions in my life. One is euphorbias and the other is is just a, a, another whole group of, uh, of larger plants and these but the euphorbias are really interesting they they had convergent development in South Africa southern Africa and Madagascar and um, when we were in Madagascar we, you when you were there there were just so many extraordinary euphorbias oh there were and Absolutely. some of them just look like cactus mm. 
Whereas this one, I saw it in a um, open garden in Clifton Hill, and I thought, oh, that's beautiful. I've been looking for it ever since. And it's it's a really very delicate little plant. It's sort of like a spiridium, isn't it? Yes. It's it's a white, tiny white flower that's just scattered across, and there's two. There's one that's tighter and got more flowers. I actually like the sparser one better. I do too. Yeah. yeah. They're called Euphorbia diamonds. And how big do they get normally? This. They don't get much bigger than this. Yeah. So you could put them at, say, as a border in the garden? Yes, yep. yes. Uh, mm. and the, uh, Actually, I mean, that'd look mm. really nice, mm. wouldn't it? Yeah. Either a border or a repeat flowering in the mm. fr- in fr- in the front, yeah. you know. And I think it's going to prove to be quite easy. Do to... you know what you could do with that? How the people are using the seaside daisies? You could actually you use that. Mm. You could. interplanted with your salvias would look mm. beautiful. It'd look yes. wonderful. I reckon they'd be better. The seaside daisies always worries me a bit. Yeah, we get people plant them around roses, and they create problems with roses. Mm. The, they really um, do. They the... get so thick. Yes, really yeah. thick. There's a pink one, which That's I think right. is much less uh, heavy Invasive, than the white yeah. one, and I yeah. think it's not as powerful, not as strong as... Yeah. So I think that okay. pink seaside daisy is yeah, better. The, the white one just goes mad. Okay, we've got uh, Karen back online. Good morning, Karen. Hello, Karen. We can hardly uh, hear you. Oh, uh, hello. That's can better. Yes, that's fine. Go ahead. Um, I just... I hope the network coverage doesn't cut out as I'm having trouble this morning. Okay. Um, I just wanted to ask about rose hips. Uh, I've got a pink rose and a lilac rose in the garden. Can I use any rose hips or is there a specific variety that are edible? No, you can use any rose hips. Right. And wait, and wait, wait for them to get nice and ripe, which is usually orange or reddy colour. Yes. And then you can, if you want to get the seeds out or the pulp, um, once they've got matured and they're getting to that now in, in, in April, you can use that pulp. And, right. you, and if you have a look, you'll get lovely recipes for rosehip jelly. Mm. Oh, yes, because I make tea with it. Oh, right. Oh, marvellous. Rosehip tea, yes. Yes. Mm. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Karen. Bye. Thank you. Bye. And uh, next up we have our good friend Robert from Phillip Island. Good morning, Robert. Oh, good morning. How are, how are you all? Well, have you uh, had a drenching of rain down there? Yes, yes, had some good rain. Excellent. Had, yes, last night we had a good burst and through the night and early this morning, yeah, very good, yeah. Right. Re- really what's needed. Yes. Beautiful. The um, dahlias have been excellent this year. I've grown some beautiful dahlias. One of the best years I've had for dahlias. I would have to agree with you, Robert. I've got some stunning dahlias this year. And they're still going. Yes. Now, what what I've got a bit of a problem, I've always grown um, onions, and I like the shallot onions, or tree onion, you could call them. But I've always had problems with them. This year, I dug them all out, dried them off, hung them in the shed, and I lost every onion. They what got, to? I don't know. Uh, got a sort of a blackish over them, and oh. I have a friend who grows them, and he tends to leave them in the ground all the time instead of digging them up. You know, some people will dig them up, yes. put string around them, and hang them. Hmm. So yeah, I've always had a bit of trouble with uh, some of those shallot type onions. And and the black spotting, what does that look like, Robert? Oh, it starts off blackish, and then. Yeah. The whole lot rots. 
Yeah. yeah. It sounds like it's some sort of fungus. Yes, and, and this not getting year's dry been enough. a fungus a year. It's mm. been unbelievable, the yeah. fungus. Mm. Uh, could, and, could, and, could. and the fungus is, is, is in the air. Okay. You need to hang them in a really dry atmosphere. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and make sure that that they're they're really ready to hang. If there's if there's too much green in the leaves still, um, there's too much moisture in the in the bulb of the onion, and it's going to uh, it's going be. to promote that um, that fungus. Mm. Uh, could could well be. So what um, what are you uh, ladies going to start to think about planting as far as uh, flower seedling? And vegetable seedlings. So, so you're starting in the front garden planting some veggies. Brassicas. Brassicas. Yeah. yeah, I'll be putting classic time for all your all your winter crops. Yeah, mm. and your snow peas. You can still plant plant at the moment too. And I, I plant coriander now too. Yes, coriander. perfect time for coriander because it won't bolt. You're not mm. having that that hot um, weather. Great. I've just planted a whole lot of parsley. Great for oh. silver beet. Any of your leafy greens, mm. I mean, right. you can plant those virtually all year round. But, again, things like rocket, they're not going to bolt on you too quickly. So No. no. Flower garden, what are you putting in seedlings for flowers? For pansies are fantastic. Pansies yeah, are Yeah, really. And, you, and, and you'll get them to flower nearly, you know, all year. I've got pansies in our rose garden, and I've had them in there 18 months. Mm. Yeah, and they've been yeah. fantastic. Just keep them fed. Liquid like seaweed. Yes, Hellebores, of course, known Hellebore. as the winter rose. So, yes. um yeah. yeah, I grow a lot of uh, namisha. I find that a beautiful. Yeah, good. And the other thing I'm very into, Robert, and now's a good time to start, is I really like buying um, mainly South African, just by accident, South African bulbs. Yeah. I like buying bulbs that are dormant in summer. Yes. Because yes. then I'll have a bare patches in my garden in February, but who cares because the rest of the garden looks terrible anyway because it's so yeah. hot. Yes. And, and, and... I'm oh, sorry. Uh, so I, things like Ixias, Spraxis. Ah, uh, yes, yes, in, yes. The, um, Veltimia. Yes. And yes. they're in the catalogues now. Um, yes. Garden Express, Tessalars, those sort of places. You can get them online or you can get them direct from them. Yes. And they're getting – and I, I do think we all should be looking at some of those, particularly South African, but any dormant – anything that's dormant yes. in summer – you don't yes. have to give water to. You don't have to worry about it. It's mm. dead underground. No. no. Oh, great. Well, not dead. I mean, it's dormant. But you know, you don't have to. You don't have to panic over it. And I, no. so I'd be yes. looking at some of those. Yes, Graham. I've got uh, a pigeon loft in the backyard. Yes. Got some beautiful pigeons, rare coloured ones. Right. I let them out a fair bit. I lose a pigeon or two to the hawks. Yes. But I've got hawks in the backyard. Oh, have you nice. Really? Mm, yeah. I don't have a, well, with respect to other people, I don't have a, a barking dog or a cat. Yes. And yeah. I find the hawks are a lot more friendlier to come around the backyard a bit if they're not sort of frightened. Yes. So I would lose a pigeon, or say, one every four or five weeks. But yes. you have the beauty of the hawks in the backyard. Yeah, good. So, you don't get any falcons. One or two. Well, they're quick. Mm. Yeah. They've oh. done, just done some tests on the falcon. He can get up to 390 kilometres an hour. Goodness. I, yeah. I let him out a few weeks ago. They are up in the sky flying yes. around and around. Down came a falcon. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. and it was a fight for about five minutes. Yeah. They're the dynamite. Pigeon. Yeah. Very much so. The, yeah. the pigeon beat him this time and got yeah. back to the loft. Yeah, okay. good on him. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the wedge tails that are in the valley... Yeah. The wedge tails came in and took Fiona's goose. 
Mm. Really? It was huge. It was yeah. such a big goose. And the goose got all the way up and mm. then obviously the wedge tail thought it was too big and dropped it. Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, you see this goose <laughs> fall into the earth, remembered to fly just at the last minute. Oh, what's happened to me? <laughs> it's the funniest it's good thing. good to talk to everybody. Next week when it gets a bit cooler, I'll be out after chasing rabbits. So uh, oh, right. I hope things go all right in that area. Okay. Good, good on you, Robert. Bye-bye. Bye. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We're running through until 9.15, so you've got plenty of time to jump on the phone lines and uh, ask a gardening question this morning. That number again is nine four one nine zero one double five. That's nine four one nine zero one double five. In the studio, we have Graham Sargent from Silky's Rose Farm in Clombenane, Virginia Haywood from Royal Botanic Gardens, Melbourne, and Sue Stevens, head propagator at Bushland Flora Nursery. So we'd love to hear from you. Nine four one nine. Zero one double five. Talking about flowers now, of course. I mean, there's so many of the native things are coming into flower. My grevillea is looking wonderful. Mm. What else have you brought in this morning, Sue? Oh, I've got a collection, haven't yeah. I? You have, <laughs> indeed. <clears throat> I'll start with I've brought in... Um, we've actually been breeding at work, so we have um, quite a few new plants out on the market. This grevillea that I've brought in today is called Raspberry Ripple. Um, it will be available soon at Bunnings, uh, probably in the next couple of months. Um, it only grows to about half a, a metre high and one and a half metres wide. It starts flowering now, so in autumn, and it keeps going through autumn well into winter. Great. Um, silvery green foliage. It's not prickly. Both of the uh, new grevilleas that we've released, we've got another one called Strawberry Smoothie that's actually got a silver leaf and a very pale pink flower um, and are not prickly, okay. which is really lovely because a lot of people stop buying grevilleas because of the prickles and they're a great bird attractor mm. to your garden. Lovely and compact. Yes, it is. And it's and a beautiful flower, isn't oh, it? It is. It is, and that doesn't even do it justice. As the plant gets bigger, these flowers are, you know, this sort of size. Right. Um, wow. A um, couple of inches. Yes. And prolific. Yep. Yes. Yep. So it's not just terminal flowers on the end you're getting it all over the um, there are some in the plant in the garden at her nursery which are quite big i don't know how round is that well it's, it's almost like yeah, yeah. big, bigger two soup bowls round yeah and the flowers are stunning because they're just completely all over the plant mm. yes absolutely. They're, they're sort of oh what's that so, yes fantastic. So I, think those, I think some of the new grevilleas are wonderful yes okay yeah. so when are they being released sue um We've actually got a few for sale at work at okay. the moment um, and um, Bunnings have actually ordered th- those two grevilleas. So um, they usually take them when they come into f- to flower. So I'd say to be watching out in the next couple of months in the Bunnings stores yep. for those okay. two grevilleas. Okay. Yeah. And Sue's work for people who want to know where it is is between Mont- Wandon and Mount Evelyn. Yeah. Clegg Road. Clegg Road. 110, Clegg Road. Yeah. But how often is the nursery open for people to come and visit? So? We actually have a sale um, twice a year, which right. we've only just had a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Um, where we have the um, markdown stock. Yeah. Um, and can someone come in on a Saturday morning and. You can. There's not a lot of people to help. That's the only problem. So, yeah, but most of the stock that we have are left over from the main batches that go to sale to the retail nurseries. Right. Work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
What I've also brought in too is we've been working on um, breeding some new couriers for the market. Right. Um, that are going to be released in the next six months, but I've brought in the plant tags and um, to show you all the different colours. And we've actually, they're, they're going to be released under what they call the Chimes range. So we've got two beautiful um, orangey ones that are going to be released, Amber Chimes and Ember Chimes, and they're being crossed. They're a Pulchella. Um, people that know Orange Glow or Autumn Blaze, it's quite a low um, Corrier. Yes. And Annie's Delight is actually quite a uh, more sparse upright. Yes. Uh, so we've been trying to breed some Corriers that um, have that height and also different flowering. So the two orange ones that we've got, one starts flowering in autumn and the other one is the later flowering. So with having the two of them, you've got about six months' worth of flowering that takes place. Okay. Beautiful pale pink one called Coral Chimes, uh, Lime Chimes, which is um, quite a low um, corrier, more for landscaping probably. Okay. Yeah, so it's probably only going to grow to about 30 centimetres tall lemony lime flowers. And my favourite is called Moon Chimes, which is a very small corrier, probably about 50 centimetres in height. Um, but in an 18-inch pot, you, you're talking hundreds of flowers mm. and it's a lemony sort of white. Okay. Uh, really, really lovely. So, um, and yeah, they, look out for them when they Are they are for released. sun or shade? You can plant them in either. I've... I've been trialling um, lots of different corriers that have been available for years in the garden and I find that they perform quite well in part shade as well as full sun. I okay. actually prefer them that way, yeah. I've yeah. got Annie's Delight all through my garden and I think it's wonderful. See, I've got that in part shade. What I've found is if you actually plant a corrier that is for full sun into part shade, you change the flowering time on the plant. So if you've got if I've got Annie's delight in full sun, that's coming into flower and finishing, and then the one that's in the shade is about six weeks difference between how you plant them. So so it's a way of keeping the flower absolutely. going. Absolutely, yeah. I've got lots of corriers in all different aspects right through my garden. How mm. big does Annie's delight get? It's about a metre point two wide and probably oh. 70 centimetres yeah. tall. Yes, it's mine. None and of mine. Rabbits that... don't eat it. No. That's yeah. it. That's why I've got it because all the other couriers I've had have just disappeared to yeah, the rabbit. Yes. Annie's delight is the, and so it it has been repeated and repeated because it stays. I actually don't know why rabbits rabbits seem to dig couriers out and eat the roots and leave the plant lying on the ground. Mm. I really don't know why. That is so annoying. Because the is. the other thing I've noticed is that, is that rabbits don't eat salvias. No, they don't. Which is wonderful. Yeah. That's actually, I bought Dad for his birthday this, the uh, heatwave collection of salvias and he is so wrapped because he has wallabies that come in and he has to put fences around everything at Hillsville and was commenting and I actually think it's because of the um, the scent of the leaves yes. is quite pungent oh, on is. salvias yes. that it tends to put them off. Yes, because they also don't seem to eat plectranthus and a no, lot of them don't. have a nasty smell. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Interesting. What was that collection you had for your dad? Uh, the Heatwave Collection, which is P- PGA probably, oh, I don't know how many years ago it would be, probably about 10 years ago, started mm-hmm. to release a Heatwave Collection of um, During the salvias. drought they developed them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're fantastic. They're the rabbits, absolute... rabbits and wallabies don't like them. No. They don't like they a don't lot like of salvias, any, any of the really. salvias. Yeah. Mm. 
Okay. Yep. That's an interesting thing because we get a lot of people that talk about their garden decimated by blasted rabbits or or even wallabies, you know. Yes. Because and deer. They might. Some people might not be at their garden for three or four weeks, and then they come come back and it's gone. Back and mm. you think, oh, mate. well, actually, they're great to plant with your roses. They're a great mm-hmm. complementing. Mm. Uh, plant and I'd say it'd be medicinal towards your roses because of the uh, fragrance that brushes off on the salvias. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Thank All you. Right. Let's go to our next caller. We have uh, Sarah in Dallas. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning to CPR and to, to Indigenous community. Um, I went yesterday to fruit and vegetable shop and I saw a grapes very unusual look the color is uh, deep uh, like a almost deep purple and uh, very long I touch it like a plastic like rubber but uh, uh, and also the olive i saw a few days ago uh, so big uh, like two centi- more than two centimeter uh, in diameter uh, big like unusual looks i'm very concerned i know you you grow your vegetable yourself but i'm concerned about the society it become like uh, the, um, no uh, mental capacity if they eat this uh, poison food it looks like a poison it's not really food I'm concerned about the young generation who who has no healthy food and then they become mentally um, impairment. Well, that's exactly why, as we said to you last week, that's why we, we promote growing your own because you can't get any healthier than growing your own. You know that you're not putting any chemicals at all on any of them but um, can you please uh, can you please uh, uh, report that or record all this information i'm telling you because it's very truthful yes i know we've taken note of it sarah okay but as i say we're, there's nothing we can do about but it apart can from grow his own fruit and vegetable i'm i'm concerned about the young people and the, the if they don't have mental capacity, they can be very mm. dangerous. That's why That's why um, a lot of schools now are, are running programs within their schools with uh, school kitchen gardens uh, to teach very young people from a very early age um, all the joys and benefits of growing their own. So, uh, But in the market, they spread everywhere uh, bad food, poison food. Oh, you poison can't say it's... You can't say it's poison, Sarah, okay? There is no uh, way we can I, say it's poison. They just uh, won't me, be organic. To me, it is it is plastic, believe me. Yep, okay. I, I, I can have give you an evidence. I can buy some and give it to you even. No, no, no. I, I take the point you're making. Um, okay, bye. Thanks. Have a good day. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, that number, if you'd like to join us again, 94190155. That's 94190155 to speak to the team on air this morning. We are talking roses, we're talking exotics, we're talking Australian natives, so we're covering the lot this morning. I have to say at the moment, those people who are growing their own food are going to be on a hiding to nothing because I went into the supermarket to buy some, um, just some greens for dinner 
and they're already disappearing post the floods. They said none of the, oh, this was Safeways. None of the tomatoes were, they were all tomatoes they'd held. They yes. hadn't had any tomatoes in. They hadn't had any, they had no broccoli. They had no broccolini. We're going to have a hard time, I think, because of the floods up in the Bowen Basin. Yes. We're, we've, they say we've lost a billion dollars worth of vegetables. Goodness me. So everybody, get out there and plant. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Yep. And capsicums too, though. Capsicums same. are going to go. Yeah, another yep. thing. Yes, yep. Yeah. Well, you know, it just proves you Grow need your to own. get out there. Grow yeah, your have own. Yeah, go growing your own, even if it's a small amount. Look, even have if it's go. just in pots outside yeah. your That's kitchen right. door, yeah. but at least you're producing some good healthy food, so yeah. definitely. Yeah. I've got an array of pots outside uh, my back door. It goes all the way to the garage now. It started with herbs. And um, I'm into curbside shopping or recycling and have found so many big pots that I've actually done a kitchen garden and got the winter lettuces, the broccolini, um, kale and everything at the back door. And it's actually a great way to plant because in winter all you do is walk out your back door and it's there. That's right. Yeah. And, of course, when it's in pots, you can shift them around to follow the sun. That's right. If, if they're needing more sun. And um, and you can keep your eye on them in, in, and, and really judge how much water they need and whether they're being overwatered or underwatered. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think potted gardens are I'm actually are finding it a lot easier because, yep. really, it's retaining a lot of the moisture for longer in your pots and versus the garden at the moment. And I tell you yeah. what, it's very easy to um, to net it. Oh, yes. yes, that's a good idea too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. excellent. Okay, back to the natives, Sue. What else have yes, you brought I've in this morning? Yes, I've also brought in a lovely grevillea. We don't actually breed this, but we sell it called Super Duper. And apparently it took about 10 years for this company to um, breed this grevillea. Um, it flowers. It says rich pink and orange flowers all year on a ball. So you can actually prune it and it's it's just beautiful. And it only grows a metre by a metre. The foliage is quite silvery with a almost golden tinge to it that complements the flowers. It looks um, like sepia. How would you explain yes. that look? Yeah. Like, um, yeah, well, it's not a bright, and, and, muted, yes. and muted. Yes. So I, I brought this in. I think it's beautiful for um, to be used in a cottage garden, even with um, wormwood or artemisias and things with this would be because just... Because the foliage is so similar, it isn't is. it? It is. Same form. Yeah. yeah. We actually do this from tissue culture at work, um, which we do a lot of grevilleas. Um, if they're hard to propagate, we'll do them by tissue. Um, just beautiful. Yep. It's an amazing flower, isn't and it? And it's so frost tolerant, which yeah. is really good too. Yeah. So, um, And you can see why the birds love these plants. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. God. The yes. little birds. Yes, yeah. It, it says not to below minus three degrees, so really it's actually quite good for um, most gardens. Mm. So I'm actually I haven't got that in my garden yet, but I think it's going to go. Do you go minus below minus three, Graham? Yeah, we can. Yeah, get I that. thought you yeah. would. Can you? Yeah, yeah minus mm. five, you'd get mm. down there, wouldn't you? Yeah. 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 We yeah. being down along the creek, we it, it does get colder in the winter. Yeah. Yeah, it's a challenge. Even with the minus five, I've been helping my sister-in-law do a garden at um, they're in North Harcourt, and they get quite cold. But the grevilleas have actually been standing up mm. really well mm. in the corridors there. The, the, we can get the, the plants to tough it out too. If you use liquid seaweed, it will give them a, another four to five degrees frost tolerance because it thickens the leaf up on on the on the actual plant itself. Yeah. So um, it, it, it just hardens plants up. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, we're going to our next caller. We have uh, Saskia in uh, Mount Evelyn. Uh, let me see. Are you there, Saskia? Hmm, we've lost Hello? her. Saskia? Oh, we no, lost we her. Seem to, we seem to have lost her. Okay. I'm sure she'll come back. Give us a call back, Saskia. We'll uh, try and get to your call nice and quickly. Um, yeah, so as, as we mentioned earlier in the show, Tilopia Gardens is the one you mentioned, which is virtually a, an arboretum. It, is, it was absolutely beautiful. Mm. So unfortunately, it doesn't look like... I'm Being in the studio, we've no idea what's happening outside, but when we came in, there was thunder and lightning. Mm-hmm. So whether it's going to be a good day for visiting gardens, but then, you know... Oh, look, us gardeners can yeah, put on, put rug on, up. Put, put a, on a raincoat. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let's have a chat about some of these flowers we've got down the front here. Beautiful. I mean, the, the combination of the... Purple and the yellow. Purple and the yellow. And the yellow is so bright. The yellow is one of my favourite things. It's a halianthus. I think it's salicifolia. It's a perennial and it grows... It's, so it's a perennial sunflower for people that don't know... Um, Halianthus. Um, it forms a clump that gets bigger every year. Um, if you don't kill it, it's by usually uh, propagated by division. But a couple of years ago, I asked Stephen, and he said if you actually do the cuttings from the new growth at the bottom when it's hardened off, it'll work. The first time I did it, didn't. But last year, I've successfully propagated it from cuttings as okay. well. Okay. Yeah. We've got uh, Saskia back, so we'll try and get to her call. Are you there, Saskia? I am. Oh, can good. You, yes, can we you can. Can you hear me this time? Yes, we can. Oh, good. I'm just wondering if Virginia and Sue can talk a little bit about the tree we saw in the Telapia Gardens, which Virginia talked to David about, and he said he thought it was a clarodendron and has this little pink star flower with what looks like a little purple berry in the middle. It was amazing. It was a caryopteris. No, no, it was, no? A, cl- it was clarodendron. a clarodendron. Was it? Oh, okay. It was a clarodendron and it was, it was absolutely beautiful because it had this incredibly blue little berry in the middle of a pink flower. Yes. It was gorgeous. Okay. He hadn't propagated it, unfortunately. I wanted one, of course. <laughs> yeah, it I was lovely, too. wasn't it? It yes. was very lovely. Yes. So yeah. what sort of height was it? It was a small tree. Oh, a small tree. Because a lot of the clerodendrons are big. Yes. Uh, and they do tend to have pretty stunning flowers. This was a tiny flower, mm. but mm. the colour, it was amazing, wasn't it, Saskia? Because it you really had that, that bluey and the pink. It was just, it stood out. It, it belongs to the same family as the clerodendron bungii, which is what... You know, the pink flower that oh, we've yes, got. I yes, yeah. And also the and that has butter- a blue butterfly bush, I think, is part of that family too, isn't it? I think it is. It's not yeah. a clerodendron. It's been moved, that Oh, one. okay. But yeah. I think it's in the same family. It's just yes. beautiful. Okay. It was quite okay. exciting. There were some really re- – weren't there unusual trees in there? And, the, all, and when we went up the top – remember up the top, Saskia, and we looked down, you could see all that beautiful bamboo. Yes. Just yes. moving in the wind. It was like below a river you. of light green yes. flowing through the property. And it was, it was very 15, 20 foot high, the bamboo, mm. but mm. we were up above it because mm. it's, it's a very steep valley and it just looked stunning. Yeah, it was. It was a beautiful day. We spent out. Thank yes. you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for your call, Saskia. Bye. Okay, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We're uh, running through till 9.15, so do jump on the phones if you'd like to uh, ask a gardening question this morning. This the number is 94190155.
This, so this one you. came came this yellow one, the helianthus. Yes. I think we got that from Greg, didn't we? From I Long got the Go- first first one. I think of Teslas, and what I was going to say is, if people are going to Teslas, they usually sell this helianthus. Okay, and if they if they haven't got it at Teslas, um, what is Mari's nursery on? Where Mari works, who does yes, the Hallibors. It's on Monbulk. Monbulk, Sylvan Road. Road. They're actually selling um, and this for, plant at the moment. And for people on the other side of town, Greg Boulderston, which is Longonomous Plants, yes. he goes to all the markets. He comes out of Romsey and goes to all those markets and he has it as well. Yeah, it's just Cause, beautiful. Because that's where I got mine from. I got them from Greg. Yeah, the other plant that I've actually brought in is a miniature uh, Lasiandra or Tipachina. Haven't seen it out there on the market for ages. They released two, one called Jazzy and one called Jules, which are a miniature tipachina that only get to a metre tall and maybe 40 centimetres wide. And they flower for easily six months of the year. Mm. Absolutely beautiful. She had them in that garden yesterday, didn't she, in the salvia garden? Did you see? She did, Yes. yes, yes. I've seen them at Bunnings. yes. Yeah, and it actually, I've got a yellow rudbeckia still in flower that's in the same garden as this purple um, uh, plant. Um, I get a lot of comments from people walking past my garden as to what this is and can you grow me one. Mm. I found my tibichinas really suffered during the drought years, but since we haven't had the drought, they've just... And I... I got decided to get rid of them in the drought because they just looked because they flower in yep. summer and they yes. look terrible. Yes. And I chopped them all down to get rid of them, and then they all came back. This is so drought tolerant. This doesn't get water where it is, and you don't ever get any leaf. I mean, this has been out of a vase. And have a look at the leaves; it just doesn't wilt. And the leaves are much smaller than the leaves on the big tibicina, so obviously you're not going to be so prone yeah. to bur- having trouble in the sun. Mm. Beautiful plant, but yeah. I don't know where it's available at the moment because I haven't seen it. I've, for I've definitely seen years. it in Bunnings. Yeah. In Bunnings, mm. okay. Mm. I have a yeah. feeling the PGA originally put out one of the miniature tibicinas. It might be. Yes, yeah. I have a feeling I, they I did. did have both of them. Um, and I think the Wandon Nursery has it too. The other one that I did have, I've, I've actually had lost it, but I didn't put it in a, a really good spot. Actually, had a white centre, okay. and then with the purple on the outside. Yep, it was really pretty. Yep. Okay. Mm. Um, we've had a caller concerned that the SES is saying keep off the roads today, and we're saying take your raincoat. But <laughs> as we mentioned before, um, you know, we're, we've been talking about going to gardens that are some in the Dandenong, some up in Kilmore with uh, Graham with his roses. You, you, your thunderstorms and things are often isolated to... I mean, it's, it's, it's not, a, the it's eight, not Victoria's wide. The it's, 8 o'clock news I had on Radio National and it said, Victoria, stay inside. Now, I refuse to believe there can be any weather event that covers the whole of Victoria. You've really got to consider your own environment, where you're wanting to go and look at your own weather and... and Preferably, if you can jump on a line or on a have a weather Check app, it, yes. it'll it'll tell you what your vicinity, what weather to expect in your vicinity. But it's it certainly doesn't mean that the whole of Victoria is going to be um, having exactly experiencing the same extreme weather. No. It's going to be in selected areas, and, and wherever you are, never ever drive through a flood. Exactly, and and you stay safe. You've just got to make up your own mind. Look out your front door. Look out your window. 
if it's if it's um, directly impacting on your area, then obviously you stay inside. But some of these other areas, you might find that it's it's actually very easy to get out, and it's only a little bit damp underfoot. I did think it extraordinary to have a weather event for the whole of Victoria. Yep, yep. Well, we can Mildura and Seymour and Point Lonsdale. Yep. Not likely. We can have, um, because I'm, I'm in Eltham, we find that a lot of the weather, the rain in particular, will get as far as um, the Yarra River and it doesn't cross the Yarra River. So we can be in, in, in almost a, a rain shadow area. I mean, it really does. It's amazing the, the variation even around Melbourne, let alone well, some s- of our outlying suburbs and regional areas. I sit there watching the rain coming in, think, oh, thank God, it's going to rain. And then, and it, then you get nothing. It just yep. turns left and yep. goes to Hillsville. Yep. Mm. Obviously, you know, if you're at all concerned, you don't go out and you, you, you look at what's appropriate for you on the day. And we would never, ever um, uh, condone people being silly, as, as Virginia said, trying to drive through... Uh, Water. You know, water, that's just a, an absolute no-no. Mm. Yep. Because cars float. <laughs> they do, indeed. Just go off and suddenly you're in the depth. Yes, exactly. Okay. That number, as I mentioned, 94190155. Uh, there is time to jump on the phones. We'd love to hear from you <coughs> this morning. So do give us a call. What have you got there, uh, Sue? Um, I've actually brought in a Hardenbergia. It's been available for ages, but it's a Violacea, Hardenbergia white mist, or some people know it as Edna Walling. Um, I brought it in because Virginia and I both have this in our garden, and it's a great um, plant for a bank, actually not to grow as upright, but to grow as Let like just, a small shrub. Yes, and wander um, over. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it'll grow to one and a half metres tall, but it flowers through winter and spring, prolific flowering. Mm. Totally, totally drought tolerant, really. Mm. Yeah. That's a larger leaf than some of the purple Hardenbergias. Um it Don't does look it does look I yeah, think quite it's larger. larger. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. But it's actually lovely pruned uh, as yes. a as a hedge. <laughs> Mine got pruned because Sue didn't have enough cutting stock material in, at work. <laughs> so they came and they just decimated mine. So, Sorry, Virginia. So when you when do you prune it? You can prune oh after flowering? Straight after yeah, flowering. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And Sue pruned mine extremely hard. Mm. Well, I and didn't. It, Ian did. <laughs> and it it just looked, it has looked fantastic for ages since. It really, really benefited. We've, so we've got a purple well. one of these along, along an embankment outside Coles in Kilmore. Yes. And in the last two years, it's hardly flowered, and they've pruned it at the wrong time. Yes. Oh, yes, it would be. It's like, it's, it's nearly 100 metres long, this whole yeah. embankment, and they've mucked it I up. I mean, rule of thumb is you should prune mm. it after flowering, yeah, which yeah. would be, um, well, the happy wonder of flowers at a different time to this. Yeah. This is... Um, this is a bit later or yeah, earlier. Later, later. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. But mine is in. I have a um, one. The t- highest part of my garden on the road falls down, down to the road, yeah. and it's mm. there. And it's the hardest spot. It gets so, the hot northwest so wind. So if you if you prune it, what do you do? Do you take half off? No, you prune it down to. Really, you should be pruning right down into the hard stems if you, if you want to keep a okay. Hardenbergia compact. Yep. Okay. I take it down to a couple of inches, Righto. the ones that I've mm. got. Yep. I had yeah, a, they're I, magnificent when they're flowering. They it's are. unbelievable. Yeah. But yes. I had one of the purple ones growing when I first came back and was living with my father in Kew because he was mm. unwell, and it just broke the picket fence. Mm-hmm. It's. I mean, they are <coughs> very tough, tough and mm. they get mm. big. They get quite 
big mm. um, stems, mm. and it broke the picket well, you fence. Don't, what's on this embankment, the, the, the vandals and the hooers just don't get into it. It's just so jolly thick. Yeah. You know, what, it really is. What's good about this too, if you use this in the full sun, it'll grow like a shrub, mm. and I've actually got it along my back fence with Comptaniana purple, staggered white plantings, purple plantings. If you put it into the shade, it'll grow more as a climber, mm-hmm. and then you'll get your flowering later. Right. And because it's in the shade, then the flowers last longer than if the plant's actually in the full sun. So mm. it is very versatile. Mm. Great if you've got something like a tree stump, anything you yeah. want to cover in yes. the garden. Yes. It's great to grow over. Really lovely. Mm. And it actually looks nice. It doesn't get disease as much on the uh, plant as much as some of the other Hardenbergias do as well. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. All right, we'll go to our next caller, and we have uh, Elaine in Burwood. Good morning, Elaine. Good morning, everyone. Oh, gee, I've missed you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, first of all, I want to speak about the cotra, dicotra, the little leafy thing native that you. Um, well, I've got it growing in my back lawn. Yeah, oh, dicondra. Yes, dicondra. Right. Oh, it's it's lovely, isn't it? Yes. And now I've got some of the seed from diggers and I want to know if I can go out and spread it today like a farmer would. And is this the right time of the year to do it while the soil is warm and wet? The logic would be that the soil is warm, so that would be good. I absolutely do not know. No, I don't. Is it a dichondria you're growing? Yes, yes dichondria. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, it's marvellous in your back lawn. I think yeah. it's lovely. I'm 86 years of age and uh, it's, I can't get the lawnmower out anymore. Right. No. And anyway. Uh, we do it by division at work. So we've got the main plant and then divide it into small, smaller mm. plantlets, not from seed. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yesterday we saw um, a lady. Mm. In the garden, a statue, and they'd made her head was dichondra. Oh. <laughs> it was absolutely lovely. Oh yes, it is a, a very versatile plant. It's the silver one is fantastic in a. In, oh yes, hanging basket. In a hanging basket, yes. yes. I've got a whole lot of it which I'm going to plant in my garden because I'm I, I just like the look of it yes. as a ground cover. Mm. Nice thing, yes. And the second thing is, I'm just a bit anxious about. A call that came in this morning uh, from Philip Island. The gentleman was his name, Steve. Yes. Robert. 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 Yeah. Uh, about the rabbits, because the government has released the poison to kill them. I know. I'm so excited. I'm hoping they're all going to die around me. Yes. Yes. But um, they released this it man in goes and gets his rabbits and he gives them away on the island. And my, I've got a lovely sister, a wonderful woman, living down there. And she's a country girl too. And she, I'm terrified that she might get one of these rabbits. I don't think that the problem, because of course the problem for us, not just us eating them, but also our dogs and our cats. And I've got a feeling it's not a problem for... Or for the hunting birds, I've got a feeling it's. I mean, obviously, it's something we need to find out, and we, um, we will try and find out this week. But I have a feeling, Elaine, that it's that it does not transfer. They're not worried that the hunting birds, or dogs, or cats, or even foxes, for that do matter. Do the rabbits go back into their burrows once they've eaten this poison? 
I presume so. That's because usually what I they do. Because I saw it on the television. They yeah. put the poison into a big white plastic container and uh, with the oats, they, and then they go and sprinkle the oats on the top of the ground. Mm. Yeah, it was on, it's been on landline. Oh, is that where I saw Yeah, it? you yeah. will have seen it on landline. The other thing is that um, down, for instance, next to the Yarra River, we have a, an area of parkland and um, they've obviously uh, baited down there, but there are big signs up everywhere, firstly, that they've, they've put it into the area, and secondly, walking through, we saw where they'd actually put it down, and they'd actually put wire cages over where they'd done it so the rabbits could get in. Get in. But um, dogs, and cats. dogs and cats could... There was no way a dog or a cat could get into it, so... Um, so the, the general public is being told if it's been put down in an area, there are signs up. I think they legally have to do that. Uh-huh. And, um, and as I say, that they were putting wire um, cages over where they'd, they'd put the bait. Yeah, I've just forgotten the main details of that poison and that, but mm. uh, uh, I was just a little bit touchy we'll about s- it. No, it's, fair enough. Elaine, we'll see, if we can, question. we'll see if we can find out during the week and um, tell you on air next week. Oh, well, I'll be listening for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Uh, bye-bye for now. Bye. Thank you. Yes, I wonder if the the Elliots might be listening. They might know if you've, how to grow dichondra from seed. It's I, I imagine it's a perfect time to sow it now, but yeah, provided we don't get too heavy a rain today, and that just washes, washes it away. Off. Mm. I mean, I think if you if you have a day of gentle rain, it would be ideal at this mm. time of the year, I would imagine. But you don't want, as I say, that really heavy downpour that's just going to completely wash your seed away. And what we had yesterday was incredibly heavy, mm. incredibly heavy. That would not be good for seed. Mm. Yep, yep. Okay, all right. Uh, uh, Graham, now you've mentioned that people can come up to Kilmore today. Um, Can you give out a few more details of of where to go and how to get there and times are the specific times for your walk and talks in the in the um, up at the farm today? Um, Yes, the walk and talks at the farm today will be um, around about eleven o'clock this morning, and we'll be having another walk and talk at two in the afternoon. Okay. So we'll be looking at things about. uh, water, keeping water in the garden, because uh, water and, and gardens are just so imperative. And we've been looking at some of the uh, work we've been doing with compost, mm-hmm. and we've been doing, been doing some work with biochar too as well, doing some trials. And um, then we can also talk, talk chooks if you want to talk chooks. I talked to the people at Mifkus, mm-hmm. the biochar. They had a stall there, the biochar yes. people. Yes. And they said that you were going to be one of the places in Victoria where one could mm. get hold of biochar. Yeah. Um, and and in, in a nutshell, biochar, there's biochar and there's biochar. And what is being uh, processed from Tasmania is, a proce- is biochar that's actually coming from Kentucky in the United States because they're doing the process, um, they believe, in, in a manner that's um, uh, best for the environment and best for the, its long-term ability. And... So, quite a bit of this research is even coming via the small goods industry because of um, you know smoking and that sort of thing, and um, there's some health concerns with a lot of our small goods in Australia. I won't say any more about that at the moment. Okay. Yes. But okay. Uh, these so, people are, are, are so carrying if, out some reputable work. So the idea is you spread biochar on your 
garden mm-hmm. to actually give those trace elements to mm. the plants. Yes, and its ability to um, hold those trace elements in the biochar or, 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 the, or the, the, the charcoal itself. And we've got to reduce what we're doing with fertilisers. Mm. We just have to. I was talking to a gentleman yesterday from Ballarat and he was talking about the the big lake at Ballarat and how they've had to work uh, carry out constant work with um, with mechanical um, machinery to get rid of the phosphate affected water mm. at Lake Windaree and this is runoff from from fertilized areas yes and you of know. course this is the problem with the barrier reef yeah, yeah too much fertilizer cha- running into big it big challenge mm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah Okay, um, I do have one uh, announcement here. Now, this is for your diaries, uh, but it's worth me mentioning today so that uh, if you're interested at all, you can, uh, you do need to book for it, so I will mention it. Now, this is an all-day workshop that's being run by the uh, friends, Cranbourne Friends of the Royal Botanic Gardens. Um, it's all about backyard Aussie trees. It's an all-day workshop, as I mentioned, running from 9.30 through till 4 o'clock, um, and it's taking place on Sunday, 30th of April. It'll be held down in the Australian Garden Auditorium, which, of course, is at uh, Royal Botanic Gardens in Cranbourne there, corner of Bellato Road and Botanic Drive in Cranbourne. Now, uh, it's... Um, there's a whole lineup of guest speakers to cover different aspects of um, Australian trees, native trees. And uh, the idea is that most of us think, oh, yes, wattles, gums, but there, that's only a very small percentage of native trees. And this, uh, the aim of the workshop is to try and expand our knowledge as to some of the other wonderful native trees we have that would make fantastic specimens in our own backyards. Now, as I said, there's a whole range of, um, of presenters and, uh, and then the day is going to end with a wander through the Australian Garden to come face-to-face with some of the uh, trees that they will have been talking about throughout the day. Now, bookings are essential. If you're interested in booking, you go to uh, www.rbgfriendscranburn, all one word, .org.au. So that's rbgfriendscranburn.org.au. Click on the events and you scroll down to Backyard Trees. And from there, you'll be able to download a booking form. Or if you'd like more information about the day, uh, you can phone 9725 3569 that's 9725 3569 now the cost if you're a member of the friends group $65 if you're a non-member $70 uh, students $30 so uh, a very very interesting workshop there um, looking at lots of fascinating Australian native trees that we should give a bit more attention to in our own gardens. I thought that sounded absolutely oh, yeah, me interesting. Too, me too. Mm. Who are the speakers there? Uh, you've got Professor David Cantrell, who's Chief Botanist and Director of Plant Sciences and Biodiversity at the National Herbarium. Uh, Dr Alastair Watt, um, who is, uh, has a deep love of conifers, so he'll be speaking about uh, conifers. Dr Greg Moore, of course, who uh, is very highly uh, renowned for his knowledge on all things trees, and he's going to be talking about the importance of urban tree planting in Melbourne. Our 
own good friend uh, Roger Elliott is going to um, be talking about she-oaks and the Daintree pine, which is not really a pine. Uh, John Thompson will be uh, talking about, uh, well, taking us on a trail through social and cultural uses of backyard trees. And then, as I say, the day will end with um, a wander through the Australian garden. So it actually sounds really interesting, yes. doesn't it? Well, I, yeah. th- I think there's such a need for us to yeah. change some of our tree focus. We've been growing things that are just not going to be appropriate in the next mm. 50 years. I agree with you wholeheartedly. We have to look very squarely at fire. Oh, not just fire. We have oh. to – I mean, if you, I mean, you're right. We yeah. do what you yeah. plant around yeah. your house. And then we also have to look – like if you look at places all around, we see these plants, these trees that are actually hmm. – should be a riparian, i.e. they should be growing around creek lines and they're actually planted on hills in Melbourne. You know, we've done a lot of... Because mm. Melbourne's always had such um, a, a beautiful temperature, we've been able to plant things inappropriately, but that has gone now. Mm. And mm. we're going to have to stop... I mean, tulip trees. One of, I mm. love tulip trees. Mm. They're not appropriate for the Melbourne that's coming. Yeah. They're oh. just not going to survive. We had a big one and in our bachelor. garden that we had to, had to eliminate it, which has become so... Um, Soft and decrepit. Mm. Mm. Actually, mm. I was going to say, one of the, I've got a um, native frangipani as my feature tree in my back garden. It's actually really good in a small back garden because mm. you can. I've just got the tall trunk and the foliage and everything on the top with the buddleias and it's a beautiful, it's beautiful, tree. beautiful. Mm. Yes, it's yeah. a it's a beautiful tree. It has a beautiful flower. It has a beautiful scent, and it's not heavy. You know, you get light through it. Yeah. And it's a, that is a classic of a tree we should be planting a lot more. And the blueberry ash, the um, Eliocarpus is actually another really mm. nice Australian native mm. tree. Mm. Yeah. Now, where, can we go over this seminar again, please, Pam? Yes, sure, Graeme. Um, so it's taking place on Sunday the 30th of April, 9.30 till 4, uh, and it's all taking uh, place down in the Australian Garden Auditorium which is down there in, in the Royal Botanic Gardens in Cranbourne. Uh, the address is Corner of Bellato Road and Botanic Drive, Cranbourne. Melway's reference there is 133 G10. Uh, cost $65 for friends members, uh, $70 for non-members, $30 for students, but you do need to book. So just to repeat that booking um address uh go to rbgfriendscranburn.org.au click on events scroll down to backyard trees workshop and you can download the booking form or you can give uh a call for information and they might be able to post um a booking form out to you nine seven two five three five six nine but a really wonderful day there well one of the things that melbourne city council wants to do is to turn us into an urban forest because, of course, one way to keep your house cool is to have on your north or your west side is to have a deciduous tree so that you actually stop that hot sun beating down on your house. But the thing is that, that um, with all the, the high-rise building of apartments that's going on in in our city centre, with, with um, house blocks getting smaller, smaller but the houses getting larger with far less um, garden uh, being planted surrounding houses, our city is heating up. Yes. And we really have to green our cities to, mm. to cool the whole thing down. We really do. It's it's essential, and, and I can't emphasise that enough. It's a serious subject, and if you start to even just drive around Melbourne, see the high-rise cranes that are around the place, even down in Brunswick, mm. you know, mate. And 
and uh, the, the use of trees and foliage are, is so important and it would, I would love to see a lot more design incorporating indoor plants in, in a lot of those mm. units mm. and um, it, it's, it's so important that we you know, work with it now. Absolutely mm. and more work, more work needs to be done with, with um, roof gardens, with, yes. with um, mm. your, your walled gardens, hanging mm-hmm. walls, green walls mm. um, because all of that is going to help to cool down our buildings and cool down yep. the city itself. Mm. We'll go quickly to uh, John, who's out in Doncaster. Good morning, John. Yes, good morning. Um, I have a query regarding the uh, salvias, uh, propagating salvias. I've noticed you've been talking about this morning. Yes. Um, I have uh, a couple of which uh, are very bushy salvias uh, uh, and need trimming back because they're getting a bit too thick. And I thought it would be a good time to... Perhaps, if I could, propagate a couple of um, plants for them for friends that have admired them. So I was just wondering, um, three things I'm not sure about. What part of the plant do you need to cut to take a cutting? Uh, and do you uh, need to use a, a propagating uh, paint or dip on the base of the cutting? And thirdly, uh, what's the preferred soil mix for just a backyard gardener? Um, if you're doing it at home, generally with most salvias, and I'm not saying all of them because some of them are really difficult to propagate, you can actually use most of the parts of the salvia. The only part I don't use is the very um, tip I, where if you held the salvia in your hand and you bent it over, where that bend is, take that section off and then work down downwards on the stem and you can usually use most of the stem. Um, I see. Yeah, it just depends on as you get further down the stem, the internodes and the le- the leaves are further a- apart, so you don't end up with as a nice looking plant if you go too far down the stem. They're very as, woody at the base, the ones I've got. Yeah, there. you can yeah. still grow salvias quite successfully. I actually prefer to use semi hardwood almost into hardwood for a lot of my cuttings mm-hmm. because I don't find uh, it's as crucial with the water, right. and you don't get the wilt. And if you put in several internodes, you you will if you if you go well, you'll get roots at several yeah. different points going up. Yeah. Oh, so what you must do is exact, take the leaves, the flowers off, though. Yeah. What are the internodes exactly? The internodes are where where the leaves come out. So if you've got a stem, oh, yes. the distance between one set of leaves and the next is. I see. Yes. 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 And and that's where you'll get your roots coming. I actually do salvias as tall as 12 inches tall as cuttings. If I want something in a hurry, you can do salvia hot lips. You can take the whole branch off, cut off the flowers and put it in, mm. and you can have an established plant. I know it's not huh? very good practice for a lot of people to teach them propagation, but it does work. <laughs> and you nice. don't need rooting hormone to honey. grow salvias. Put honey on them, on the ends. Oh, they say oh, yeah. honey works really yeah. well. Seals them oh, yeah. they, they grow better. If you scrape the stem and oh, use hormones, you get a better root system, but they also grow without hormones. Yes, um, I see. And the media, I like an open media, so I use about 10% coir peat and... Coir. Coir. peat, if you buy any peat. You can get it from Bunnings if yeah. you want coir. Um, yes. Mixed with perlite. So about 90%. But I know that they sell propagation mixes at Bunnings and mm. most places. That's what I'd be using. And I, I do mine in just straight, um, just the soil I buy from the supermarket. I don't bother with the 
perlite or anything like that. And that, and I get, a, I don't get as good a results as Sue, but I get nearly as good. You get a different mm. root system is the main thing that happens with a um, a propagation mix. It's more open. Mm. So yeah, mm. with so you use percent coir, coir, and what's the other ninety percent? Just some perlite. perlite. But it's oh, probably perlite. easier to get, go out and just buy a propagation mix. propagating mix. Yes. Should, yeah. Sorry. It sounds like it needs to be open. Should you put a bit of, um, if, if you've got some, which I have, uh, some um, gravel? Yes, yes, a bit of grit would be Absolutely. fine. Absolutely, yep. Now, question, anyway. what, what salvias have you got? Um, well, one is the one you mentioned, the hot lips. Oh, yep. yes, you'll succeed. Um, and the other one was, um, uh, oh, it's a, um, oh, it, it's the... Um, a red, they both look very similar. Royal uh, Bumble? Hunt. Sorry? Royal Bumble? Or Huntington's Red? No, it's like the Huntington's Red. Yeah. I do know that one, but I just can't think of the other one now. But anyway, so, both of those you should be quite successful with. Yeah, they're easy yeah. to grow. And yeah. there's another one too I have, which is a, uh, one of the PGA ones you mentioned. It's a heat wave. Yes, they're all very there. easy to, to propagate. Yeah. The only Uh-oh. thing is you can't grow those for people and sell them because they've got um, breeding rights on those plants. Oh, I see. Yes. yes. No, yeah. I was, this is this is, a this is just for your own. For your own, yeah, yeah. 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 That's yeah. fine. give them away. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Good luck. There you are, listen to 3CR Garden Show and get thousands of dollars worth of advice. (laughs) Look at that. (laughs) Okay, we're going very quickly to uh, Diane, who's in Lower Templestowe. Good morning, Diane. Good morning. Thank you. Um, I'll be quick. Um, I just want to know about Rugosa roses. I have all the other roses, but I've got a few of these. And I want to know how far do I cut them back and when? Is there any new... your rugosas, well, two years. Yes, yeah, two years old. Two years old. Um, your rugosas, you can trim them back certainly in the winter, but I would only take half off. Half. Yes. Oh, I see. Right. All right. And as they get oh. older, say after four years, make sure you do take um, one or two pieces of really old growth out. Yes. That'll encourage the new growth and, and better flowering. All right. Well, thank okay. you for that. Good. Okay. Thanks very much. Okay. Bye. 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 And that old growth you take right down, yes, right to the down base, to the butt, go down to the base of the plant, where it's usually grafted on. Mm. Yeah, or if it's not grafted on, most most are grown on grafted stock here. Yeah. Mm. Excellent. Okay, um, Sue. Just uh, before we wind up the program, um, if uh, can people look up the nursery, uh, or can they just come in on yeah, a Saturday yeah. morning? They can. Or, they can. Yeah. yeah. Can you describe exactly where it is? And it's on. Um, it's 110 Clegg Road in Mount Evelyn, um, and uh, Lynette, um, who's the owner, actually has a great website. If you get onto, um, is it Bush, Bush, Bushland, Flora. Bushland Flora? Yeah, yeah. Um, you can Google. All the plant range and things like that, and availability to see what's there. Okay. Yes. And yep. times when it's open? From eight o'clock until four uh, thirty through the week. Okay. And Sunday, uh, Saturdays are, um, I think, eight thirty till three thirty. They're open. But but take in. But it is a wholesale. Yeah, yeah. They don't. They don't have. You know. You can't swipe. They don't have those no. sort of facilities. Okay. Yeah. So and and the same with staff to go out and help. So it's so you can go and have you a look You can have around. a wind up. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so not retail. Okay, yeah. but you say you do have two special sale days. Yes, you? yes, we do. So we've just had our um, March sale, which was absolutely enormous. There are a lot of people starting to plant plants again. 
we haven't had a sale like that for a long time. Okay. Yeah, so we actually sold more plants in autumn. It's usually we sell them more in spring. Yes, right. Yeah, so uh, lots and lots of people. And yeah, so your next great. big sale will be in spring? Uh, November. In Cup, November. Cup weekend, yes. Yep. 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 Okay, fantastic. We've run out of time for yet another week. It always seems to... Uh, Go very quickly, particularly towards the end of the program. But, of course, uh, we will be back again next week uh, starting at 7.30. A big thank you to the panel and also a big thank you to Jenny, who's been handling all the phones this morning. Um, As I say, tune in 7.30 next week. Until then, bye for now.